and here's another one. That's Brittany Anderson caring for a new litter of piglets at Sugar Hill Farmstead in Honamu. Welcome to the world. Brittany and her husband sell pasture-raised beef, lamb, chicken, rabbit, and pork on the Big Island. They started on a small corner of a friend's property and now own a 10-acre pasture. My husband and I, we started this journey because we wanted to eat really healthy meat and we found it really difficult to find a trusted source. She gave me a call from the pasture because while Sugar Hill Farmstead has had a lot of success, one major thing is holding their business back, housing. You're listening to Hawaii Grown, a podcast from Honolulu Civil Beat. I'm Claire Caulfield. This year, Civil Beat is taking a hard look at why we import almost 85% of our food in Hawaii. And this podcast is here to explore solutions and ideas that could help small farmers. The cost of housing is a headache almost everyone in Hawaii is all too familiar with. Brittany and her husband recently overcame this hurdle when they were able to build a house on their property. My husband's a veteran and, and we had some some issues with his PTSD and things. Going out back to nature was really always the goal. It was a long and expensive process, but they were successful. So it was frustrating when she started looking into how to build farm worker housing and found that process was even more complicated. The administration needs to completely overhaul their application process. To legally build houses for their employees, farmers have to submit a lengthy application that has to get the green light from a bunch of different agencies. So far, Brittany has found the process to be daunting, time-consuming, and expensive. It's a rather long application. So I just read that and we went over it. My husband and I were going, this is a lot. The applicant has to be really specific about how many hours their new employee would work and their specific job duties, which Brittany says hinders long-term planning and would make it hard for her business to be flexible. You're going, I, I, don't, I don't want to put myself in a situation where I've filled out the application, maybe they approve it, maybe they don't. And now I either have someone that is in line for a position that can't exist or I have it built and then maybe the job changes. She says a lot of farmers and ranchers she knows get around this application process by building unpermitted worker housing and relying on short-term volunteers who work the farm part-time in exchange for that housing, often known as woofers. To me, the person's labor is worth something and I would rather than charge them rent and pay them a living wage. She doesn't want temporary workers. She wants someone with experience, someone with ties to the Big Island, and someone who cares about food production. Agriculture has this image problem where people don't really value the farmer or the farm worker. And I want to change that and have people that come work on the farm make money. Brittany said finding a solution could help create more local jobs and attract more potential farmers. Because this status quo where farm workers have to work multiple jobs or live in tents on the beach just isn't fair. Hawaii has become so accustomed to farmers living in poverty. And I think that that needs to change. And it needs to change in that the application is a huge barrier.
Marcy Montgomery understands Brittany's concerns well. We were challenged for our own farm facility on how to have regular labor present on the farm. She's the executive director of One Island Sustainable Living, a nonprofit that runs an organic farm on the Big Island and advocates for farmers and regenerative agriculture in Hawaii, California, and Washington. Increasing access to local food, supporting local farmers, and finding new markets for their food. She gave me a call from a ferry traveling between the San Juan Islands, a cluster of small islands in the Pacific Northwest, close to British Columbia. And I'm sitting on a ferry with an incredible view, so I am well entertained. About five years ago, Marcy started looking into building farmworker dwellings on her South Kona farm. And we experimented with some different models. It turned out that due to all of the different regulations, everything that we wanted to do was being discouraged. She asked around and found that farmers across the Hawaiian islands were struggling with this same issue. So they held brainstorming sessions and met with elected officials. And as we looked at different models, it looked like the tiny house opportunity could be a solution. Tidy homes are about 500 square feet, and they're like if a traditional house and an RV had a baby. They're a little more spacious and permanent than a mobile home, but they can still be moved around if necessary. As Hawaii County had it set up, the only way that you could have a tiny house is if you lie, and we were trying to say no, let's be transparent that in order for this person to live on the land and have a modest little unit that could be mobile or it could be wheeled in and then put on a more permanent foundation, they need to not be living in fear. Through many meetings with these stakeholders and lawmakers, the group came up with a proposition to streamline the permitting process so farmers could know the final price and time frame up front. The working group also looked into how they could help farmers finance the purchase of these tiny homes. And what we were trying to propose is that there be legislation that encourages and eventually even incentivizes financially farmers who actually want to make a commitment 5, 10, 20 years to actually farm and provide them with some type of a mobile structure as well as all of the infrastructure needed kind of off-grid style to be able to live on the land and focus their attention on food production. Many mid-sized farmers looking to expand their business loved how the tiny homes were solar powered and have composting toilets, because then there's no need to run expensive electric lines to rural areas of their property. 2016, 2017, hosted a series of community conversations. Farm workers were excited about having a legal, safe place to live. To 100 people would show up because there was such a lot of interest at the time. This movement was gaining a lot of support. There was a bill that made it through the House. The state Senate chimed in. And made it through the Senate. But then... It was vetoed on the um, governor's desk. Governor David Ige vetoed the measure in 2017. At the time, he said that because zoning laws already allowed for farm dwellings, there was no need to change the permitting specifically to allow for mobile tiny homes. Of course, it was quite discouraging to build up all of that public interest. And then, yeah. It was frustrating for Marcy because she feels existing regulations only aid large farms with existing capital. For example, the county of Hawaii has a certain amount of extra dwellings that you're allowed to put on your land based on the number of workers that you have. But that is somebody who's already grown a business to the scale or then they can go qualify for that. There is no fast track or small scale mechanism like we were proposing to help the small farmer. 
And this is what I think the governor did not understand. The group continued lobbying, but subsequent bills in 2018 and 2020 failed to make a splash. Well, we're kind of waiting to see who becomes the next governor to decide whether or not there is a more direct path to get this information all the way through. So One Island Sustainable Living is taking their tiny home idea to farmers on those small islands in the Pacific Northwest. There have been other meetings, other organizations who have brought people together to try and address, you know, what are some ideas that we can imagine for solving affordable housing, including farm worker housing. Now we're going to be um, managing one that's going to happen in the San Juan Islands. They're just in the beginning research and planning stages. But Marcy hopes if they can point to a successful tiny home model, lawmakers in Hawaii will once again consider changing the regulations. If we want local food, we have to be willing to invest in it and not imagine that these wonderful, young, enthusiastic farmers are showing up with, you know, baskets full of resources. They, they need support. But what do you think? Let us know at civilbeat.org slash hawaiigrown. That's where you can read more about farmworker housing and submit your own story idea. Hawaii Grown is a podcast from Honolulu Civil Beat and funded in part by grants from the Ulupono Fund at the Hawaii Community Foundation, the Marisla Fund at the Hawaii Community Foundation, and the Frost Family Foundation. To learn more about Civil Beat and our journalism, subscribe to our free morning email newsletter by texting CIVIL to 66866.